How you guys doing out there? Hey, Logan. Get some new lights. Hopefully be here today. Today. A couple of new lights. Today. Change things up a little bit. Make things all new. It's not that they're, they're terrible. Just, uh... Bring the sound down, make it go away. Get ready for get ready for Thursday, man. Thursday is here. You guys think? You guys it's Thursday like are you like I just can't wait for Friday or is it Thursday is a day you say there's so much stuff I just didn't get to this week. Me, I'm torn. I got both. I got both situations going on. I cannot wait for the weekend. Man, it's coming. But there's so much stuff I wanted to get done this week. So much stuff. You're like, I got to just have more more hours in a day, including the weekend. Just just four or five more hours a day. Be good to go. Eric, good, good morning. Glad you got in the course. Glad we've worked that little little bit of a bug out. There was, <laughs> there was some back and linkage between the account setup and the courseware that didn't get set. Glad you got in. Glad you got into the course. I'll talk to you today about it. Now that you're in, now that you're checking it out, now that you got everything going, we're rolling along. Um, if you guys don't know, if you haven't heard, the Cyber Recon RMF online course is on. And this first run, when we do the first run through, we always do kind of a self-paced. The course is self-paced. So it's always going to be self-paced. But the modules release stair-step. So one set of modules, either one or many, get released every single week. And then at the end of the week, in this case Monday, next Monday, we'll have a live session where we all get together and we talk about the module and anything that you didn't understand, anything you didn't didn't get. Eric, that's what I need from you is like to, to go through, when you're going through the module, note those things that stand out at you like hey, hey we didn't cover x y or z obviously the first week is all set up we're talking about risk management we're talking about organizational risk we're talking about the cap certification what that's all about we're talking about changes to the, our, the rmf itself what it's all about changes to the rmfs next week um just a full, full plate i think there's 10 modules this week that are out and that's just getting getting set next week we're still getting set we're going through that Really going through that front matter of NIST Special Publication 837, talking about the different chunks of things, supply chain risk management, talking about authorization boundary setup, that kind of thing. Um, and then we'll keep moving forward. So, Eric, that's what I need your help on. Make sure we're doing good. Um, so it is, it is Thursday. I know, you know, I, I like to... I like to call this one Friday Eve. Um, yeah, tomorrow's Friday, Thursday. We're, we're over the hump. Less of the week remaining than we've already been through. Chris Farley up here saying it's 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 Friday Eve. It's he's in a band down by the river. If you guys are on the podcast, it's just Chris Farley doing his little dance. And it's you say Thursday, uh, we say Friday Eve. That's what we're all about. This morning, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, is holding our illy coffee. Hot Atlanta is what most people I've heard call it. And that's a good cup of illy coffee. 
getting me going on the morning. Um, started a fitness challenge on Monday again. Gonna try to do this thing so hard with busy schedules. You guys, you guys are in the same case. Busy schedules, trying to get, trying to stay in shape when you work behind a computer all day. Gosh, it's a hard, hard deal, guys. It is a hard, it's a hard knock life, man. So what do we want to talk about today? We want to talk about what's going on in the news. What, what's in the news today? So, uh, of course, we know Trump, uh, Donald Trump had um, a run-in with COVID. The president has a run-in with COVID. Uh, you can assure yourself that hackers will pick up on it. The fishing fishing world has picked up on that. We'll talk just a touch about that. We'll t- talk about GitHub's rollout of their ability to uh, scan code. And I don't see Mike Bravo on yet this morning. Mike Bravo is a good, big fan of code scanning, code analysis. So this is static code analysis, which means we're checking the code as it sits in the GitHub repository. And we'll talk about what that's all about. The price of it, I'm going to give you a hint on that. The price is uh, free 99, free 99 for that price. Um, it's a free feature that GitHub has put for both the cu- paying customers and the po- folks that are using the free version. And then we'll cap off today, well, we'll cap off the news stories today by talking about uh, um, remote employees. So there's two articles about remote employees. Um, we've got remote employees, kind of a, just a, a survey. What's going on with remote employees? Um, and the second part is an expert series. I don't know how much they call it an expert series. I'll I'll leave their title alone, but they talk about some tips about remote working, and it's going to surprise you. Some of the ones they've got on the list are probably not ones you're thinking about, but I bet if you're in security, you're in risk, you're in uh, information protection, cybersecurity, security, information security, you're going to know these things. You're going to know them when you see them. You'll be like, ah, of course. But have you built these things into your security programs? So when you go off to work, you have to take care of things. Is it something you guys have actually thought about? And I know some organizations have, um, but it might be some, some of the things. Um, who doesn't like a good code scan in the morning? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get your code out there. Have somebody check it out. A little chilly. Had the windows open last night, by the way, here at Cyber Recon Global uh, Headquarters, Cyber Recon Universal Headquarters out here. Um Weird stuff going on with the stream over there. Strange things. I keep looking over there. I still got to move these two around. So when I'm looking at the, the thing, I'm always, actually, when I'm looking here, I'm backwards. I'm backwards on the screen. When I look over here, it's actually for you guys over there. It's, it's, it's backwards. So that's what's going on this morning. How's your day? How's your week going? Um, how are things? How are things going for you? I know it's, it's so many things I want to get done. So many programs. Started looking at NIST Special Publication 80160, and that there's two volumes to that, but it covers uh, security engineering. Um, another set of processes to follow, but 
It looks good. It's based on, loosely based, I don't know how tightly it's coupled to, but it's based on the NSA's old engineering guidance uh, that's been around forever. So they've taken that and they put it into this new document, this new set of documents, 160 Volume 1 and 160 Volume 2, kind of like 60 Volume 1 or 2 talks about information. Talks about information types. This is this is that one. Paul's here. Good morning, Paul. Nice to see you. Uh, always the same temperature where you're at. Always sandy and hot, right? Um, anyhow, that's what we got going on. That's the news of the day. They're most of the, I think all these stories are pretty short, so we'll have a little bit of time. Alex will probably finish up like we did yesterday, a little bit early. So let's let's get the, the logo going. Let's get our little intro going, and let's talk about the news. Do-do-do. Whoops. Wrong, wrong one. Oh, fishing! Come on, guys. We know, we know, fishing's the thing. You know, bird used to be the word. Now it's fish. Fish are the word. Um, social engineering is the super highway onto your computer network. Uh, that's how folks are going to do it. You know, and that's it's been it's gone back to Kevin Mitnick and before. It's the old fashioned. You know, con artist game. Um, as long as there's been con artists, as long as there's been things of any value, I'm just not talking, not talking money. I'm talking anything of value. As long as there's been anything of value, um, there's been con artists around. I think two cavemen standing around in a cave somewhere, and they had a shiny stick or something, and one guy had it, another guy wanted it, and then the guy that wanted it came up with a, a scam, a, a technique to get it away from the, the first guy. Scammers have been around forever, and they're not going anywhere. It's just a new method of running their con game, and that's using computers. It just multiplies it. It, it, it just makes it so much easier for them to do their job. So you can expect... Anytime anything comes out in the news, any big story comes out, it's going to be used by the fishing community to, to run some fishing campaigns. So we know the president contracted COVID. So um, this is from CyberScoop. Hackers exploit Trump's COVID-19 diagnosis to spread a different kind of virus. Um, quick, quick read this one. Tim Sharks wrote this article. Hey, thanks, Tim, for putting this together. Opportunistic, opportunistic hackers have seized on President Donald Trump's illness from COVID-19 to fool recipients into clicking on malware. Researchers found in what was a quick turnaround from the news that dominated the weekend and beyond. And you can, this is just, it. it's, hackers watch the news, big story comes out, they build a phishing campaign around it, and they launch it. There are automated tools that do these phishing campaigns. And, and they're free. And they're, 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 they're doggone free, man. Um, you can go out. And for example, I'm not telling you to do this, so please do not go out and do this. But the bad guy can go out and get Kali Linux 
and run the tools on there and build a phishing campaign in about 20 or 30 minutes, maybe less if you've been doing it for a while. So you see the article on the news, you launch your phishing campaign, and, and I'm not talking about spear phishing or whaling or any of these very targeted things. I'm just throwing stuff out there. So Proofpoint has said it detected an active medium volume email campaign on Wednesday sent to several hundred U.S. and Canadian organizations. That's medium. Medium goes out to several hundred. And if we can just get 1%, that's good, right? Uh, the messages are designed to bamboozle. Well, you got to love when you can use a word like bamboozle in a news story. Bamboozle victims into downloading the Baza Loader backdoor, a kind of Trojan commonly linked to developers of the TrickBot hacking tool. And TrickBot, we talked about TrickBot and QBot just yesterday when we talked about Emotet. Emotet uses the same tools uh, in some of its downloads. Um, yeah, we talk about they they normally are going to, that, that, the, the fishers, I'm not even going to say hackers, the fishers of email, um, the social engineers normally jump on these type of stories and run with them. Um, so in this, case, in this case, the email contains subject lines like, and this is the, the, the line they've seen, recent materials pertaining to the president's illness. And the body of the message contains a hyperlink to an attached document. Clicking on it takes victims to a malicious Excel spreadsheet, which can be downloaded. Um, and then when you download it, the Baza loader is, is brought with it, uh, proof points said. It's actually probably just the Baza loader. It's probably not even an Excel spreadsheet. Probably just mislabeled. Um, so it's the, the, the basic, basic, base, the most basic rule in phishing awareness and phishing avoidance is don't click the link, right? We've been talking about this for years and years, probably decade, a decade or longer. We've been telling users, don't click the link. Don't click the link. Um, some organizations just disable HTML email altogether. You don't get pretty emails. You get just straight text emails. You don't get the cool graphics and all the cool stuff. Um, Outlook has the ability that if they think it's phishing, it's going to disable a lot of those hyperlinks. It's going to disable the ability to download right from the email. I say set those up in your organization if you haven't set them up yet. Um, but the basic thing, regardless of what we do technically, it doesn't matter what we do technically. If the end user is not trained, they're going to get around our technical protections. I, I guarantee it. So in the, in the article from CyberScoop, they got some examples of what the email looks like. Not not very not very fancy. Um, the one of them on the left in, in the little thing, it talks about just, it's a straight up article. The second one, they put encryption in place. And the encryption helps to bypass, um, you know, download, download malware protection. So and they give you the encrypted, you know, it's encrypted, but use this encrypted key, one, two, three. Um, Basel Loader first surfaced in April, and it was designed to take over corporate networks. Attribution for the campaign wasn't currently available. They don't know who, who's behind Basel Loader. I don't know, man. First, you know. Hacker's got to put that first fish, fish on the wall. Hang in the first 
first first picture on the wall like the big big billy the big mouth bass hanging on the wall um fishing is not going anywhere guys you got to build you got to have a training program you got to have stuff to train your end users and this is one of those we got to jump in there we got to jump in there outside of work our friends and our family we got to talk to them about fishing um, so many people are still clicking links clicking links and then they wonder i didn't download anything to my computer uh, i don't know how my computer is infected i didn't download anything but you click that doggone link um, people don't see it the same people don't see the same as clicking a link and downloading an excel file as the same as installing a program they don't make that connection when you click that link you, you've, you've given your system over to someone in many cases so we put technical place technical protections in place we can have egress filtering we can have phishing uh, phishing uh, filtering social engineering filters on our email um, but until we train that end user uh, malware protection obviously on the endpoint until we train that end user come on guys we've, we've lost it we've lost it if we don't train the end user one of the most critical things we have to do and that's you know it, it is october and we haven't even talked about this october is cybersecurity awareness month you know what are we we should have yeah we but nice if we put something out um to help folks but i thought about that didn't think about it though um september should have put something together to put out in october for you guys maybe it's not too late maybe it's not too late to help you guys out so that's story number uno right github github's doing its part it's trying to help us all out so github's a repository a sharing site for code right there's public github sites that are out on the internet you've probably seen them when you go to pick up some piece of software sometimes you'll have to go to github to get pieces of it now, obviously there's a ton of security flaws around just going out and grabbing code from github so that's a totally different story that's again knowing where you're getting your software from so if you're going out to github and you're grabbing snippets of code code libraries pieces of code and you're using them in your applications that's a whole different story than what we're talking about here um, that falls back in on coding best coding practices your, your, your software development security principles if you're going to pull code from somewhere you got to pull it from a reputable source i wouldn't say just go say and I get to use a great term. Don't go out to GitHub willy-nilly, pulling code down and installing it on your system. And definitely don't go out there willy-nilly, pulling code down and building it into something you're, or in integrating it into something you're building for your organization. Don't do that. But this is a different story about GitHub. This is GitHub doing the, the right thing. So this is from ZDNet, but it's been out in the news for a while. It just kind of kicked off yesterday. GitHub rolls out a new code scanning security feature to all users. New code scanning feature will tell GitHub users when they've added known security flaws to their code. Yeah, you know, we know we know there's best coding practices, right? When we build these applications, there's things we you know we do have to do stuff like input validation. We check to make sure there's no malicious code coming in on something like a name field when we ask for a user for their name or we ask for user input. Um, that's what we do. Things like SQL injection. Some of these things are going to be built in right away. 
So the code host hosting uh, website GitHub is rolling out uh, today, which rolled out yesterday, a new security feature named Code Scanning for All Users um, on ba both paid and free accounts. Here's D telling me, oh, yell at me for being a clicker, been the victim of a bad link. D's been the victim of a bad link. Yes, she has. Got to watch what we're clicking. Clickety click click. Um, GitHub says the new code scanning feature uh, helps prevent vulnerabilities from reaching production by analyzing every pull request, commit, and merge. Recognize vulnerable code as soon as it's created. So you can turn this on. It's going to check your code. It's going to do what's called static code analysis. And essentially, it works like a virus scan. Um, GitHub has built some. We'll talk about them. GitHub, GitHub's built some, some things to look for in, in the language. And it's going to scan your code. And it's going to look, look for things. And I don't know what they all are, but I'm assuming it's things like SQL injection and user validation and things like that. Things like we expect to see in like OWASP top 10. Um, and then I'm beyond that. So uh, once the vulnerabilities are detected, code scanning works by prompting the developer to revise their code. Hey, dude, do that. Your code's bad. Here's where it's bad. Fix it. Under the hood, code scanning works on top of the code QL, a technology GitHub integrated into its platform after it acquired the code analysis platform Simul in September of 2019. CodeQL stands for the Code Query Language, a generic language that allows developers to write rules to detect different versions of the same security flaw across large code bases. To configure code scanning, users must visit the security tab on each of the repositories they want to, the feature to be enabled. You can have huge repositories. You can have repositories of huge code bases that this will run against. Uh, in the ZDNet article, there's a link to that tab where you can, or a picture, a graphic, an image from GitHub on what this looks like. Um, to get users started on using the code scanning, GitHub said its security team had put together more than 2,000 predefined code QL queries that can be enabled for their repositories and automatically check for most basic security flaws when submitting new code. And I'm sure, you know, it's it's the OWASP top 10 plus a bunch of other normal best security practices. This is built into GitHub. This is free. You just have to turn it on. Um, and if you guys aren't developers, this is, this is pretty big. GitHub is huge for the development community. It's a shared repository. You can post code, you can pull code, you can take and split, you can branch it off, you can merge it back together. Um, you can have different people working on different pieces of code. GitHub is a big thing and to build this into GitHub, both the free version and the paid version it is awesome. This is something, if you're developing code at any level at your organization and you're using Git, you got to at least evaluate turning this thing on. Um, in addition, code scanning uh, can be ex executed via custom code QL templates written by repository owners or by plugging in third-party open-source commercial or static application security testing uh, solutions. And that's what Mike Bravo talks about often. 
Code scanning has been available to GitHub beta testers since May, after the feature was initially announced at the GitHub satellite conference. Since then, GitHub says the feature has been used more than 1.4 million scans on more than 12,000 repositories and has identified over 20,000 vulnerabilities, including remote code execution, or RCE, SQL injection, and cross-site scripting vulnerabilities, stuff we'd expect to see. So we know that it's looking at those things. Developers also appear to have warmly received the new feature, and GitHub says it's already received 132 community, community contributions to CodeQL's open source query set since the feature launched in the spring. Now I say, go check this out. Read through the EULA. Figure out what information is being kept by GitHub, um, and then what it's all about. Because there is the possibility, you know, GitHub may be making things, maybe they're keeping track of how you fix things. Um, there's probably some benefit for GitHub. But you're posting your code to GitHub already. You're posting your code to Git already. They're keeping track. You know, Git's going to figure out how people write code anyways. Um, that's one of the things they do. Um, it's a Git is, GitHub is amongst application developers, probably one of the top tools used. Um, it's a huge repository. Git's been out for a, a, a while. GitHub is, is something that your developers are probably doing. So depending on your purview, I don't know what your purview is at work. I don't know what, what you're responsible for, but if you're responsible in any way, shape or form for the security of applications that are being developed, that may be providing guidance, that may be why, uh, that may be, um, you know, providing analysis, that may be assessing code. Um, Black Betty. Um, what do the random letters in YouTube video address mean? Usually it's just the, if you're talking about the, the link, usually it's just a randomly generated link to a video. It's, um, that's what you're talking about. Video address. Yeah, it's just, usually it's just a, a random string that points to a specific video. Um, they're not all custom. They just get a random set of alphanumeric characters that get tagged on the end that point to that video. Usually it's just a, normally it's just a link. It's going to be like YouTube front slash and then some weird string of characters that just points to a video. That's the link to the video. That's the address, man, the URL. So that's what's going on with Git. I'd say if you, if you go to work today and you're talking to your app developers, see if they're using Git. I, I'm, 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 I bet I bet they are. I bet you folks are using GitHub. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my my guess on that. Git GitHub is being used by your developers. So that's in your purview. Let me know. How many guesses would it take to find a video with random letters? A specific video? Um, I don't know. I, it's kind of like guessing a password. You have to figure out how long that string is. And then how many different variations is it all? I have to, I think they're all letters. That's always 11 letters. Um, I don't know. There's, I'd have to do the math on that one. It's almost like it, it would be the same. 
it'd be the same as uh, defining a password with just letters that's 11 characters long. Um, the problem is what you're trying to find a specific video. So matching those two things up. Um, yeah, it'd be take, take a while. We'd have to have to look at it. Um, always 11 letters. Huh, I never, never really count it. Must be some behind that. You're trying to do trying to figure something out. Keep saying videos unavailable. Uh, well, it, it's possible. It's possible that that's been set to private. Um, a video could be set to private, and even if you have the code, you're you're not going to be able to see it. Um, it's unavailable. Yeah, <laughs> we need an intern. We need some interns first. Um, that's a good question, Black Betty. Bamba Lamba makes me want to. When I, hear, when I see your name, it makes me want to sing that song. Um, my head, at least, I'm singing it. Oh, Black Betty, Bamba Lamba. If I could get a copyright strike now. Yeah, we, I we figured out 11, 11 characters. Uh, probably after the... I can throw it in there. Think I'll be here for a long time? Hopefully here on this channel, not hopefully trying to figure out a, a video. I don't know what video you're trying to get to, but... So our channel, our channel, it may be one of the ones that we did, and we did a duplicate of and made one private. Um, so on another site, it's hard to say. They could have set it to private. Um, they could have deleted it. So that, that video could have been deleted. Um, but hopefully you're saying you're coming to this channel. We'd love to see you. Uh, answer the, join in the, the cyber community we're building out here. Um, love to see you come, keep coming back. So that's what's going on with Git, guys. Git, guys. Um, obviously gender neutral. And our last story of the day, last news article of the day, we're talking about remote employees. In the first part of this, we're going to talk about two articles that kind of go together. Just happened to come out the same day. Just like yesterday was uh, uh, malicious code. It seemed to be yesterday was the day of malicious code. Um, yeah, I think these random numbers are already programmed for future videos they, they may be i am not i'm not sure how that that works in youtube i'm not an expert definitely in that area at all how, how youtube defines what that string is going to be anyways so a couple stories the first one's out help net security 37 percent of remote employees have no security restriction on corporate devices what in the heck and we know a lot of people are remote right now we know a lot of people um just just a work from home. This COVID thing's got a lot of people working from home. Manage Engine unveiled findings from a report that analyzed behaviors related to personal and professional online usage patterns. So this is the security restrictions on corporate devices, what they're talking about. The report combines a series of surveys conducted among nearly 1,500 employees amid the pandemic as many People were accelerating online usage due to remote work and stay-at-home orders. Findings evaluated users' web browsing habits, opinions about AI-based recommendations, and experience with chatbot-based customer service. Um, so this one, the thing about this this article, it's 1,500 employees were were queried for the survey. Well, that seems like a lot. It's really a, a small drop in the bucket when you think about how many people are working remote. So um, take that with a grain of salt. It's probably representative, though, uh, of things. 
Um, the vice president of Mage, Manage Engine says, uh, the research illuminates the challenges of unsupervised employee behaviors and the need for behavioral analytics and tools to help ensure business security and productivity. While IT teams have played a crucial role in supporting remote work and business continuity during the pandemic, now is an important time to evaluate the long-term effectiveness of current strategies and augment data analytics to IT operations that will help sustain seamless, secure operation. Um, yeah, and this is one of the things, again, 1,500 people have, were surveyed. I don't know how many different organizations that was. That could be two organizations. That could be that could be one organization. So anyways, it, it's going to give us some data. We're going to have some data. We don't know exactly where it's coming from as far as how many people were, you know, or how many organizations were surveyed. But 63% of respondents report the organization has provided them with corporate devices to utilize while working remotely. And of those 63% that got a device to work remotely, only 37% say there uh, also say there's no security restrictions on the corporate devices. So essentially, they were just sent laptops and said, "Go to work." Um, there's no security on it all. No baseline settings. No nothing like that. Um, crazy. That's crazy. 54% uh, say they would still visit a website after receiving a warning about personal insecurities. Um, this percentage is also significantly higher among younger generations, including 42% of people 18 to 24 and 40% 25 to 34. So they get a warning about an insecurity, a potential click, like say uh, a bad link, um, uh, uh, an expired certificate or a site that doesn't match their certificate. They get that warning and they still go, they still power through it to the website. Um, again, end user training, end user training. That's that's the big point we've got to talk about forever. So they're getting a device from the corporate headquarters. They send them a device. It's got no security baseline on it. It's got no security controls on it. And still, these people are just like clickety click, 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 clicking away, going to whatever. 79% um, of respondents say that the experience, uh, they experience at least one day of technical issue. Uh, one, excuse me, they experience at least one technology issue weekly while working from home. Most common included slowed functionality and download speeds, 40%, and reliable connectivity, 25%. Really something the headquarters IT folks can't really do a lot about. I mean, that's probably because everybody's working at home and you're probably in a community that's on cable access that's built as a shared resource. And as soon as everybody jumps on it, your connectivity goes down. Um, and maybe you've got a bad connection to start with. So that's, I don't know if IT can do a lot about that. Um, if it's a connectivity issue on the other side, sure. Um, so however, IT teams have committed to solving these challenges. For example, 75% of respondents say that it's been easy to communicate with IT teams to resolve these issues. Chatbots, IA, automation are becoming increasingly more effective and trusted. 76% say their experience with the chatbot-based support has been excellent or satisfactory, and 55% say the issue was resolved in a timely manner as it relates to artificial intelligence. 67% say they trust the solutions to make the recommendations for them. Um, so we're talking about, you know, 
you get that pop-up and you, you maybe you can't get a hold of the help desk person but it says you know type in your problem hey i'm having connectivity problems and then it's going to give you it's going to walk you through do these things i don't know personally i don't know if these are really true ai where it's really thinking through i think it's scripted chatbots i think is more what it what it is but i could be wrong um chatbots at time look like ai because you have that pop-up it looks kind of like a person it looks like you're talking to a person and there's it's it's following a script if you remember I, you know i've been around this 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 field for like 30 years now i remember when i came in help desk you'll see the folks at the help desk and the help desk folks had this big binder and essentially it was flowchart you'd say okay um my password's not working okay you go to password go to page 43 you go to page 43 okay try these things and then it's going to be that branching did this work no then go to page six if that if that did work then go to page eight and it's going to walk you through how to how to fix that problem uh, pretty common in in help desks of old now it's all built into a system and i think that's what they're talking about ai here is these chat bots are just following that flowchart. hey did you restart your computer yes or no uh no well restart your computer um then come back those kind of things, I think, is what they're talking about AI here. Um, so that's the first half of our story. And we got a lot of chat going on over here on the, the side. Um, searching for YouTube videos with swear words as their rant. Oh, <laughs> random letter generator. That's funny. Um, video House of the Rising Sun, Alfred's all in one, number two, all in one, two. Um, Man, whoops, man, I can't run the mouse today. <laughs> Wish I knew GitHub, I have an eBay store and think nobody would find my store uh, in five minutes. Well, GitHub's more like a, a application repository if you're writing apps. Don't try to get their own websites with eBay, blogging sites, uh, Miss Angel Fire Day. Uh, I don't ever use Angel Fire. So the second half, part number two of this, is expert series, The New Normal, Remote Work Forces a Call for Strong IT Security Strategies. And this is from Times, Times Union. Uh, first thing I think we had an app, uh, article. Michael Musso. So much of the workforce now officing from home. Many companies' IT departments are working overtime to adopt the strategies and toolkits that will empower the employees to work productively and safely while remote. Because, um, you know, we're not remote returning to a centralized work location anytime soon. In a recent survey by The Economist at the Harvard, Harvard Business School, found that one in six workers nationwide will continue working from home or co-working at least twice a week after the pandemic comes to halt. And that's the new normal, guys. That really is the new normal. Uh, up to this point, so many organizations said, remote work is not going to work for us. We can't allow you to work remotely. Um, and really what it is, is they didn't have the management capability to manage remote workers. And now they're forced into it. And now people are learning to manage remotely. Um, to me, it's a beautiful thing. Because now you don't have to have your workforce in a corporate center. 
You don't have to have it in an urban center. Um, you see a lot of people moving out of California now. California, you know, I'm out in the D.C. region. D.C. is expensive to live in. This region is expensive to live in. But it pales in comparison to those folks out in California. Um, it's, it's crazy how much it costs to live out there. L.A. or someplace like that. So if they can, you can move your workforce from these urban centers where it's expensive to live and move them somewhere else where it's less expensive. And a lot of those people would like to move. They'd like to move somewhere less expensive. The other thing is when your workforce is remote, right? So a lot of people are in California because that's where the, the computer engineers are. That's where the programmers are. That's where those folks are. Same thing out here in D.C. A lot of people out here in D.C., there's a lot of security folks out here. If, if you're in California and you're in Silicon Valley because that's where the programmers are, and the programmers are there is because that's where the jobs are, and you say, we're, we're going remote, we're working to a remote workforce, those programmers can be anywhere, and the headquarters can be anywhere. And we're seeing people move to Texas, to Nashville, they're moving out of California. They're getting away from those high rents, the high traffic, the high cost of living, and they're moving to places more affordable. So we've, saw, we've seen in the past people migrate from rural environments to the cities to work. My guess, this is, this is Jim's view of the world, as we realize we can work remotely, there's going to be a move from these urban centers back to the rural areas. Um, back home. People are going to go back home because they can make a decent living and they can work there and they don't have to be reliant on the economy of that region. Um, so we've realized that. We've realized now we can have a remote workforce. So as security folks and as IT folks, how do we support that? How do we support that? So even before COVID uh, sent everyone home, many companies had basic strategies in place for enabling off-site work, including providing employees laptop computers, op optimizing online collaboration tools, and empowering their IT departments to complete software installations and upgrades remotely. Uh, yes, amen, 100%. Um, I am a big fan of remote work. I've, remote, I've worked remotely my last three positions um, to some extent, uh, and it's got more and more. Now, I don't think... It would have to be pretty pretty substantial, but I don't think I would take a job where I'd had to go into the office every day. I just wouldn't do it. Um, this quality of life is better. And if you're in any urban center, you're anywhere like like DMV out here, DC, uh, Maryland, and Virginia, it's an hour to get to work. It's two hours to get to work. And that's two hours to get to work, two hours to get home. We got a lot of sun coming in today. Wow. Um, Two hours to get to work, two hours to get home. That's four hours. That's a part-time job getting to and from work. And if you can stay home and be with your family with that, that, that is, that's the way to go. Yeah, there's, I don't know where that's coming from. There, I think. Yeah, a little better now. Dry, <laughs> that's worth as a D telling me. Big white stripe behind you and it's driving me crazy. Yeah, it's the green screen. It's getting too much. It's too sunny out. Too sunny out. 
And obviously, if I wasn't working from home, I couldn't be doing this. Now, I'd be on the road right now going up to D.C. or going out to Reston or something. So remote work is going to stay in place. Remote work is not going anywhere. Corporate leadership for years has said, we can't do it. We can't handle it. It's a different, it is, I agree, it's a different type of leadership. It's not holding an individual responsible to time so much, right? That's the time is where we measure a lot of things, but it's really holding people accountable to the tasks tasks they have to do. And that's what we should have been doing all along, all along is we know a task takes a certain amount of time. And if it doesn't get done in that amount of time, then we can worry what happened. Why didn't it not, why did it not get done in that amount of time? That's what we have to worry about getting the task done on time. Not, it doesn't matter if someone works eight hours and they don't get the task done. If they work two hours and get the task done, that's what we want. Accomplishment of the mission. So different way of working. I'm saying that could be the metatarsal of the trimester as it traveled across the Americas. Yeah, that big <laughs> black Betty. Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> that's better. Yeah, it's better for your health to work from home. In an out in a car, sitting in a car every day, two hours, an hour. Let's say an hour, hour two. I, I worked my first day at Mitre. It took me four hours to get home. Crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, it's better for you. It's stress level of driving in this kind of traffic. And this is just DC. It happens in Atlanta. It happens in Houston. It happens in, in LA. It happens in Chicago. It happens any urban center. Traffic is terrible. Now, I'm not trying for the, the, we have the worst traffic, although we do right down here in Stafford has the worst piece of highway in the United States, um, for traffic. Um, yeah, it's much better for you. And these things, <laughs> yeah. It's the Tyrannosaurus Rex leg. So uh, one concern for many companies is there aren't enough controls in place to keep people from viewing data displayed on other pe people's screens, uh, whether inadvertently or pur on purpose. So we build a lot of controls into our remote access program. Um, that's, that's just, we build those controls in, you know, multi-factor authentication, all those things. Um, VPNs, uh, metered performance, all that stuff. But what about what's being displayed on the screen? So I'm a remote worker. I know I'm working remote. Uh, my kid's got a soccer game. So I go to the soccer game. I take my laptop with me so I can do the work while they're playing. I'm sitting there in the little folding chair working away, and the dude next to me is watching my screen while I'm doing stuff. Or I'm at Starbucks working remotely on a VPN, typing away all safe on the VPN, but the guy next to me is watching my screen. So these are some of the things this guy's talking about. In the worst case scenarios, there could be data leaks between the people who are working in close proximity uh, when employed by competing firms. And certainly if you're in an urban center, that could be the case. Unfortunately, the shift to widespread remote working has opened doors further, even those who would steal data, data uh, for nefarious purposes. Yeah, we definitely have to increase our ins insider threat capability when we're talking about these things. Uh, it's not difficult for new folks like me to find remote jobs. Yeah. Yeah, Eric. In the start of your career, you're probably going to have to go in somewhere. 
Um, that's my guess. And that's just the way of the world. They're going to, they want to evaluate, make sure you're not screwing around, I guess. Um, if it was me, I don't, I, I really wouldn't care where you work as long as you get the job done. And that's the, that's the paradigm shift we have to go through when we go to this telework environment, right? So if I'm the traditional manager and I'm managing a group of people that are just entering the, the career field, I'm going to say they've got to come in and they've got to sit at a desk and I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to watch them and I'm going to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're not screwing off. Well, in this telework environment, you can't do that. Or at least you can't do it today. What you have to do instead is say, I know this task takes two hours to do. If that person gets it done in an hour, should you really care? I mean, that's resource management, of course. So as they get better at things and you realize they're getting faster, you can reduce that time down. You can say their two-hour task is now an hour long. But if they're getting it done, that two-hour task, if, if they're getting it done in an hour, do I necessarily care that what they do with the other hour? Personally, I, I don't care as much. Um, as we meter that, we can figure out how fast people are getting things done. It should get quicker over time as they do a task. It should get quicker to a point where it's kind of a standard amount of time. Um, as long as that task getting done, that's what I care about. Is the task getting done? But there's a lot of people that don't feel that way. Um, so Eric, when you enter the field, a lot of people are going to say, um, you're new at the field. I, I don't know your track record. I don't know how you work. So you got to come into the office and you have to sit here. Um, and I'm going to watch you. And that's that's just the way of the world. As you progress in your career and you, you become... I'm not going to say more skilled, but let's say more skilled, more more seasoned. Um, then you get kind of that track record and people are more likely to let you work remote. But this this is a paradigm shift. I don't know how quickly that's going to ripple across the entire environment to where maybe, yeah. Um, if you think about it, if you're hiring people for a help desk and you're out here in the D.C. area and I can hire somebody from Kansas or somebody from Nebraska and they work remotely – I don't have to pay the DC rate. I can pay the Kansas rate, or I can pay a little higher than the Kansas rate. I can make that person out in Kansas a really good, strong offer and still be under the DC rate. And the, the job still gets done, right? Um, that's the shift, man. That's the shift that's coming. How fast is coming, Eric? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Just keep plugging away, man. We'll keep plugging away. We'll keep working. Keep working with Alex. That's where we get the mentorship stuff going on. Um, yeah. So here's what what's going on. Here's what this guy says. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six points to make here. Implement privacy screens. Uh, he's been around forever. That's that that screen that covers, you know, this little piece of film that covers your screen. If you're not looking directly at the screen, if you're looking at an angle, all you see is kind of a, uh, a grayed out screen. It's a part of the toolbox. Issue that to people that you know are critical. Issue that to people that you know um, are working sensitive projects or people you know go to the coffee shop all the time. Um, ensure your IT staff has the training and tools needed to handle software upgrades remotely. A ton of remote management tools out today. Ship new communications technology equipment quickly and efficiently. Get that, I'd say drop ship it. If you're ordering it from a distributor, if you're ordering it from, from your supplier, you know, unless you have to build a custom profile on it, have it shipped right from the supplier to the person. Uh, sometimes we build our own images. If you can, have that supplier put your image on it. And when it hits the network, scan it. Um, create guidelines and policies for presentations uh, 
content exchanges and other elements of communication made possible through collaboration tools such as Zoom and Teams. Yeah, make sure you have guidelines. If you're going to put the presentation out, here's the rules. Here's if it's an external customer that's getting it, here's the rules around what can be put in the presentation or not. Um, yeah, have your rules. Uh, reinforce routine safeguards such as two-factor authentication, strong and frequently changed passwords, encryption software, strong firewall, antivirus, and anti-malware. Yeah, basic security hygiene needs to be in place. We talk about this all the time. Do the basics well. Ensure employees are keeping their work computer separate from uh, others used by family members. Yeah, don't use your work computer to go surf the internet when you're done with work. Don't use it to play, you know, what whatever, um, Fortnite or whatever, whatever the game of the day is. Don't use your work computer to go do that. Um, and keep employees informed about common phishing scams. Let people know, like, hey, here's the one you might see now, and let them be be trained. Train people up on this stuff. So that's the rundown. That's the rundown of, and a little bit of, of my rant on what's going on with telework. Yeah, let's talk about soccer later. Eric, sure. I'm, I'm not, I don't know much about soccer, though, to tell you the truth. Um, so I'd love to talk about it. I just don't, don't know much about it. Not much, much, much about soccer. That's okay. I'm willing to learn. Um, today, today is American Touch Tag Day. Um, it's weird it's American Touch Tag, but, I mean, tags played all around the world. Um. You know these 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 internet memes go around. One said that, uh, "Did you know I was I was today I was today old when I found out um, that tag stands for touch and go." I don't know if that's true or not. That's probably an acronym that's been made up after the word. Um, people play tag all around the world. There's a link in your show notes for nine ways to celebrate uh, American Tag Day. One I like is the lightsaber tag with the big pool noodles. My daughter probably wouldn't like that because she got whacked with a big pool noodle when we were walking through a store one day. Uh, smacked her with it. She didn't like that. She'll talk about it. Guess if you're in Germany, it would be tag tag, right? Because the word for day in Germany is tag. Um, anyways, American Touch Tag Day. That's our that's our strange holiday for the day. Weird holiday. Give you something to talk about at the water cooler. Um, that runs us to the bottom. That runs us through our, our, our rundown for the day. Um, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your organization. Take care of each other. Uh, if you got those application folks out there, go out to get. Black Betty, hope you can figure out what's going on with this with string. I, I, kind of funny if you uh, if you do come up with a bunch of strange words. I would not even just bad words, but strange words that come up in that random code. That'd be interesting to see what you find out. Uh, the Bravos would say, go get some. Remember, next week at this time, well, not this time, this day at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, we'll have our trivia night. So come out for that. Be there or be square. Trivia night's always a fun time. Uh, we're giving away prizes as always, and we've got some new stuff to give away. So maybe you'll get some of the new stuff. So till then, be good. Take care of each other. Take care of your friends, your family, coworkers, your organization. Fight the good fight, and we'll see you tomorrow.